This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. With your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening. Welcome to tonight's Known and Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith, and with me tonight on the show are James Bird and Kevin Robinson. Lots and lots to get through tonight. We'll do a bit about um, Claret's Player of the Month. We'll go through the February contenders. Um, we'll obviously talk about the Forest game and also our film that we spoke about briefly last week. We are these people that Kevin and I were filming at Turf Moor on Saturday. But we will start with the match from Saturday at Turf Three one winners over Nottingham Forest. Huge, huge game in the promotion mix up. And I don't know about you, James, but I'm not sure I've ever seen Burnley play as well as we did in that first half. No, we're absolutely sensational. At one point I thought it was gonna be like um when Man City came to the turf in the Premier League season, but us being the ones dishing out the beating rather than receiving it. It was just unreal. Magnificent was the, the word I've been using to describe it and I still haven't come up with anything better than that. I just thought we were outrageously good. It was getting ridiculous, really. The, the main point for me was that at 3-0 up, we were still attacking all the time and Michael Duff went charging down the wing at one point and people in the long side were just looking at each other as if to say, is, is this really happening? Um, Kevin, it was your first game at the turf for a little while, wasn't it? I suppose you picked a pretty good game to go back to. It was, yeah. Um, I've seen a few, a few kind of mumblings about that lack of atmosphere over the last few months, but um, um, I don't think there was many signs of that on Saturday. I think obviously the such an, a mesmerising performance, which is my superlative, which I'm throwing in, mesmerising. Um, really got the really got the crowd going. And to be honest, I think going in at half-time, 3-0 was actually quite harsh on us. Um, we, we, you know, we had we had a disallowed goal. We certainly could have had two or three more. You thought that every time we went forward, we were going to score. And every time we had the ball, we were going forward. They, they, they must have had the ball. Every time they got the ball... We got it straight back and we were straight forward. There was no kind of no hesitation. Like you said, it was it was straightforward. Everyone was very direct about going forward. And like you said, even even when you got Michael Duff up on the wing, <laughs> I think that kind of shows just how just how how forward thinking our our player was in that first half. 
there was a clear sign for me that, that Burnley had wanted to get on the front foot really early. I think it was Scott Arfield, two, three minutes in, went on a run down the wing and it was either Arfield or Volts had a shot that squeezed past the goalkeeper and was cleared away from the line. But we set a really high tempo and I think that was really important. We were speaking before the game, Kevin, about the fact that we don't tend to start games particularly quickly because we try to feel our way in and make sure that we're going to be hard to beat. But it was totally different to that on Saturday when we really came flying out of the box and out of the box even and made it extremely difficult for Forrest to settle. And really it was 3-0 before they'd even started playing. Yeah, well, my 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 previous two games, um, I think, were um, were Millwall and QPR, which in both games we started really poorly. Um, and like I said, we were talking about us being a second half team. Um, as it came to, it, I actually wish we were a second half team on Saturday in a way. Because I, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the bottom I'm in the bottom tier of the the Jimmy McElroy stand. So literally, the whole game was down the opposite end of the field. I didn't see anything. What happened? <laughs> I think, um, the, the, the replays on the big screen were the best uh, kind of glimpses of the action I got. So thanks, thanks, James, for putting those up. Um, <laughs> um, but definitely, yeah, I think that's something what we we talked about. We we need to kind of get out of the blocks early on. Um, so I think that was really important that we do that. And obviously, it's such a huge month coming up with some big teams, um, such as you know Derby and, and Leicester. Um, they're very much going to attack us, which we again we talked about. We we do tend to do well against teams that attack us because it gives because that because it gives us that space to exploit behind their back four. Um, so that's kind of that was the the big point for me. I think Saturday as well. It it sends a real message to the other teams at the top. There's still been a lot of talk um, from opposition fans and even bits in the media saying that it's inevitable that we're going to fall away just because our squad's a bit smaller and we we just don't have the resources to, to match the likes of QPR. But I think the results we've had against the big teams and completely obliterating Forest really in the first half on Saturday, a real indication, James, that we are going to be there, thereabouts until the end of the season. We've laid down a marker, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I, I seem to remember you saying... Uh few months ago, Jamie, that it's going to be really tough to finish second from now and that it, it must be QPRs to lose. But um, I think they've sort of lost it, haven't they? And obviously there's a talk today in the time. Things about... can change. Things can change extremely quickly. We'll talk uh, about a... QPR a little bit later. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I did say that and I've been proved wrong. And let's hope it continues to be the case. Obviously today there's talk about sacking Harry Redknapp, such as the, the decline. And uh, they haven't won uh, when Charlie Austin's been out of the lineup. can't remember how many games it is now, but must be getting on for five or six, um, which is definitely a worry for them, considering that a lot of the other names on that team sheet are supposedly big players. It's strange, isn't it, how, how heavily they've come to rely on Austin. I mean, we were much the same last season, so I suppose we should have expected it, but you look at all the talent in the QPR squad and you just think they must be able to share out the workload a little bit more. But as you say, without Austin, they've looked really, really poor and lost their last two games and slipped away. Derby, of course, are the main contenders at the minute and we'll, we'll talk about Derby coming to the turf a little bit later in the show. They're, of course, next up for Burnley at the weekend. But Saturday was just absolutely outstanding. I'm struggling to come up with words for how good it was. We've got a couple of comments on the on the live chat. One from Jack who says he was sat there thinking of the stat that was on the previous encounters on the site written by James. Twice since 2003, we've put five past Forest. 
to be fair, it should have been five at least again at the weekend. Absolutely dominant Burnley performance in the first half. And James Blessing says he was 40 minutes late for the game on Saturday after missing his train and only saw Vokes as second. Oh dear, well you missed an absolutely cracking Burnley performance, that's all I can say about that. <laughs> as, we, as we've already said, Kevin, incredibly positive starts to the game as well. and It's, it's just a sign for me of partly the fact that we play that same team all the time, really. six games in a row that 11's played. And I think if you count it up, it'd be the vast majority of the league games that that team has played as well. So they all know what everyone's doing and the whole team absolutely outstanding. There's no weak links at all in the 11 at the minute, is there? Uh, no, definitely not. Um, I think um, I was going to talk about this later when we talked about QPR, but I think it's quite fitting after what you've just been saying about our, our steady lineup. Um Last week, last week after uh, QPR got beat by Redden, I think it was, Harry Redknapp said, "At the moment, we look a little bit. We look. We all look a little bit, a bit like strangers. Um, you know, and it's no wonder when we've got, you know, so many players come, we've got coming in and out to the side. We've, we can't get stuck that. Uh, we can't get a steady side. Um, what was even better though, was straight after that he said, "Hopefully, we'll get Ravel in this week. That'll make the difference." So, <laughs> so I mean, bit, bit, bit. They've suffered because they haven't got that continuity which, which we've got, and you could see that on Saturday. They've got such confidence, they've got such faith in each other. You, you know, all the players know exactly what the other one's going to do. Um, I think Jones and Mar- Jones and Marnie, they both know exactly what to do. We don't need to be seeing each other. They know, we know wh- wh- where the other one's going to be, and obviously we know how how telepathic the wings partnership is up front. Same on both the wings. It, it, it's about confidence in each other so it's not just confidence in, in themselves everyone's got everyone's got that great self-confidence in their own ability but it's, it's confidence in their teammates um, not just the teammates ability but confidence in knowing where they're going to be what they um, but kind of really sets us, sets, us, um, sets us apart from the likes of QPR I think It's partnerships throughout the team as well isn't it I mean you mentioned Jones and Marnie and Thoughts and Ings the obvious ones there but there's little combinations all over the pitch that work really well as even Kitely and me, you'd obviously say our right wing stronger than the left, but Kitely and me work really well for the third goal, creating the chance for Sam Book. So all throughout the season, one of the things I've noticed in recent weeks more than earlier in the season is the combination between Marnie and Trippier. Dean Marnie's so good at finding Trippier's runs in behind, in behind the fullback now, and obviously it was Danny Fox on Saturday, and he had an absolute disaster. But Marnie just time and time again picks out Kieran Trippier and they must work on that so hard on the training ground because it's every time now just hang up the ball behind the fullback and um, Trippier's onto it in a flash and we all know how dangerous Kieran Trippier can be leading the assist maker in the championship so um, yeah and I, I think you, you can't afford to give him space so you mentioned Ben Mever so I thought he was I thought he was he was outstanding on Saturday as well uh, particularly going forward, which whenever I've seen him before hasn't been a really real strength of his, but he's, he's definitely been working on it this season. Um, I don't know if it's kind of the confidence he's been given by Sean Dyche in combination with the kind of the training ground, work on the training ground, but I think it was excellent going forward, and particularly with the, uh, was it Vox's second goal, uh, which he played a really clever ball. He got in, he got in the fullback really well when he played a clever ball back to Vox. Um which I think he looked very composed going forward, which in previous I think he's going to been a little bit haphazard going forward when I've seen him before. It can before. be a bit panicky, yeah, a bit panicked. That's it, yeah, whereas this, I think on Saturday he looked so composed, so sure of himself and actually looked a lot like a, an attacking winger, which he's always looked a lot more like a centre-back playing at left-back previously. 
Um, I think that's kind of a huge plus point for me as well. Is kind of his development this season as uh, as, as as a left back. That's absolutely right. I mean, Ben Mee's always been solid defensively. We've spoken on the podcast time and time again about me and Lafferty and the strengths of them both and how if you can mix them, it'd be the perfect defender. But yeah, Ben Mee, excellent going forward. Um, James, it was right in front of you um, the incident when Mee got forward in the second half and got into the box somehow and went down. It was just after their penalty. Did you get a good look at that? I've not seen a replay of it. I did say, I think think there was maybe a little trick, but um, I wouldn't say it was a a penalty. But on the other hand, if there's a penalty, maybe it is. Because uh, I know Billy Davis questioned whether there should have been a a red card for obviously it being a goal scoring opportunity, but I think there should have been a yellow card to the Forest player because he's, he's gone down very, very easily. Yeah, I was going to ask about the penalty as well. Actually, I've not seen it again, but I was pretty much in line with it in the the upper tier of the long side. Obviously, still a long way away, but it did look to me like Dufford maybe caught him, but Cox seemed to take a couple of steps, decide he wasn't going to score, and then go down. So, yeah, yeah funny one, and it it, it seemed like the referee fudged it a little bit, didn't he, by deciding not to send him off if it's a penalty? Then you think it's a red card in that situation. I think we've maybe lost James. Uh, James, sorry, are you there? Um, was a bit, I, I went on to Mixer to see the comments and it started playing as well, so I got lost where I was. Because obviously I had <laughs> a delayed version of us and us speaking, so I sort of lost track where we were. Um, yeah, I think he, he maybe did sort of bottle it a little bit and uh, maybe doubt his decision. But um, Sean Dash had no, no complaints about it, but I think it was probably a, a softer one and maybe if it wasn't 3-0 at the time, It'd be more of a talking point. This is it, hasn't it? I mean, if obviously the second half the was time. much different to the first half in that Forrest obviously had a bit of a rollicking from Billy Davis at half-time and they came out much more um, attacking and had a good quarters. But we weathered that storm quite well, I thought. Some heating had a really, really good save from um, a header from a corner, I think. And then we had one cleared off the line. and Yeah, we, we got through that period quite well. And then the penalty came at sort of an odd stage in the match where I really felt Forrest had just given up and they just accepted they were going to lose the game. We're just trying to keep the score down at that point and then got a penalty out of nothing, really. And then it was typical Burnley, really, Kevin, in that there was a little bit of a panicky spell where it looked like we were going to be in trouble. I think they had a shot that fizzed just wide and even at 3-1 up, after being utterly dominant in the first half, it's typical Burnley to still make a little bit of a hash of it towards the end. Uh, yeah, I don't know about a hash of it. I don't know if it was about panic either. Um, I think I think we just approached the second half very differently to what we did in the first. Um, I think in the, in the, if you looked at in the first half, every time one of the defenders got the ball, particularly Shackle and Duff, they were moving forward with the ball. They were actually, you know, they were running forward with the ball towards the halfway line. In the second half, I don't think that happened. That, I don't think that happened once. I think there was one occasion when Duff inadvertently found himself on the wing again. But I think that was following a corner. But every time we got the ball in defence. Our defenders actually stood still and waited for a bit and then passed it around rather than running forward. So we definitely came out in the second half with the approach actually, you know, just to set, sit, set back, protect the lead, don't tie us out, ourselves out too much because obviously it is a huge, huge, huge month coming up now which will absolutely define define our season. So I think we actually just, you know, said in the second half, let's sit back. Um, and obviously when you're taking that approach, we're going to invite a lot more pressure. 
Um, and yeah, we were two or three stages where it was a bit heart, heart in mouth, thinking, "Oh God, we're going to score here." Um, but I, I think we were very professional in the second half. Um, I don't think it was a case of us kind of hashing it up or them being particularly hugely more impressive. I think it was just that we approached second half very different tactically. It is. It's always a different game, isn't it? When it's three 0 at half time and. It's hard to have that intensity all the way throughout the game. Roger's been on um, the live chat. If you are listening live, do join him in the comments. It makes the podcast much, much better. Roger says, Temple's so important in these games. Other teams will set out to nullify this, so we need a plan to adjust to their game plan. Sean is a genius, though, so we will have a plan. It's important the fans are patient against Derby, as we might not start off at 100 miles an hour. I thought that was extremely important to helping the atmosphere. Sometimes when you get biggish crowds at Turf Moor and the, te- the team's been playing really well, they get expectant, don't they? So if um, you don't get that fast start, you get a bit of grumbles and a couple of misplaced passes and the Turf's suddenly not a great place to play football, I imagine. So and it was really important that we started very quickly. And um, Kevin did just mention there about the, the coming months and how important that's going to be to our motion challenge, but that is another league uh, month unbeaten and we're going to do Carrots Player of the Month now um, we've been doing this award all throughout the season in conjunction with the Burnley Express and Saturday's game was the last game of the month, Derby will be March the 1st I think so um, an unbeaten run for Burnley in the league and I suppose a few leading candidates um, James we'll start with you then who, who would your selection be for Carrots Player of the Month in February I think I've got to say uh say Sam Vokes to be honest um, he's come out of the month with five goals from six games so that's a, a decent return especially when Ings has been off the boil a little bit uh, the last couple um, so he's really stepped up and obviously continued bringing the goals Yeah it's three without a, a goal for Danny Ings which is a little bit of a dry spell I suppose he was snatching at his chances a little bit on Saturday wasn't he? Yeah I think I think after and there was an early chance where he kind of scuffed it down into the keeper, and I think after that he was, I think he was overthinking what he was doing with them and uh, trying to overhit them a little bit. And as a result, you know, a few more went wide or high that he, he thought were going to go in. I think overthinking it there with Ings is definitely uh, definitely true. I think in, in the second half, in front of me, in front of the uh, the Jim McElroy stand, there was one. He was pretty much on the centre on the centre on the um, penalty spot with nobody in front of him. It, the ball fell so slowly down to his foot and he had so much time just to, you know, see it land and strike it and it ended up thrashing it over the bar. And I think that is, like like James said, I think he had so much time that he overfought it. I think if I'd, if I'd come down a little bit quicker and he had, didn't have as much time to hit it, I think he'd have been, more, been a bit more natural and just whacked it into the back of a net. Uh, but yeah, I think he's kind of been letting some of his misses get get to his head a little bit and he has just been overthinking it. Um, but with a little bit more luck, he could have had two or three on Saturday himself. So I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we can judge him too harshly. The, the overthinking it's a fair comment, I think. A lot of Danny's best goals this season have been first time strikes, haven't they? Where he's, he's just had no chance to, to even consider what he's going to do, just turn and hit it. I thought actually a couple of the chances that he, he had on Saturday, I thought he was guilty of maybe trying to hit the ball a bit too hard. But I suppose it's all part of the same thing. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm that's sure. exactly what I was. I was as, getting that really. That, as long as the chances keep falling to him, there's nothing to worry about, is there? Yeah, I mean, that was exactly what I was trying to get at. I think after he sort of scuffed that first one, he was trying to put a little bit extra on all the others. And yeah. Obviously, it was forcing them a bit too much. 
We have had a point from Bunch actually on the live chat. He says all of Ings' shots were on his weaker foot. So I suppose we can't be too critical really. He's probably is trying to do a bit more with his left foot rather than trusting his right foot. Yeah. Um, I think the first one was on his right actually. So. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's why he started trying to hit him with his left foot then. Maybe that's what that was. Um, Kevin, what about you then? Who's your Clarets player of the month for February? Um, again, I think it's really difficult to see past uh, Sam Brooks. He's been he's been incredible all season. I think this month he's been absolutely outstanding. On Saturday, he was he was kind of out of his world for for for, for you know for a championship player who of somebody's stature you'd expect him to be, and probably most other teams he would be just a target man. But he's 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 so much more. He's he's just, he's incredible. Yeah, he's been brilliant this month, and I, I don't think you, you can see past him. Um, if it was if it if it wasn't for him, I'd probably go with John just because he's he's impressed me so much as well. I think he's overlooked, but I don't think you can see past Brooks. I think Jones is always at that level, isn't he? He's always an eight out of ten for me, Dave Jones. So sometimes yeah, he goes under the radar a little bit. It's clean sweep on the panel today, I'm afraid. Um, I'll be going for Sam Brooks as well when we open the poll, which will be tomorrow. I think five goals in five games. This month, I don't think you can really argue with that. Two braces as well at Loftus Road and again on Saturday. And it's eight goals for the year now for Sam Bolts. He's in extremely good form. Um, but the thing for me is, is, I wrote a piece for the site, I think it was last week, just how important he is overall to our style of play. Because we do like to get the ball forward quite early and anything that's within reach of him, he'll win it and he absolutely dominates defenders. And I think that's a major part of why we've been doing so well. We've got a few comments um, to go through on the subject of Player of the Month as well. We had a couple of votes for Dean Marnie. Gank says he's unsung. And again, we had a piece on Dean Marnie on the site saying how he is a bit of an unsung hero. Uh, and Robbie, Robbie Coppack says he's going to say Dean Marnie as well. He's been fantastic lately. Um, and Munch says Michael Duff, Player of the Month. I think that's a, a reasonable shout as well. Duff's been absolutely excellent in that back line. And Jack says, well, Dye should be up for Manager of the Month. Two draws, two wins, ten goals for five goals against. I think he'll he'll be up there, but I think there's another team that's got an extra point and I think it's basically just decided on who's got the most points in the league. I think someone's got 12 points, but has actually lost one of the games, so probably just go straight to them, but he'll certainly be up there. Um, now, we need to do um, We Are These People, the film that we were talking about last week on the podcast. We announced that we were doing this film. Um, Thomas Pickles, one of our writers who's been on the podcast a couple of times, has written a new poem um, that we're making a film around. Me and Kevin were at the turf on Saturday getting some footage and Kevin's been at Ewood as well, boo, getting some more shots and that film will be finished by the weekend. Um, there was one interesting little thing that happened, Kevin, towards the start <laughs> of the day. Um, do you want to tell um, our listeners what happened when my dad, who's going to be in the film, met Sean Dyche? Yes, well, just to set the scene. So we're <laughs> stood outside, um, stood outside the the players' entrance at Turf Moor. We were sticking a camera in front of Jamie, Jamie's dad, who looked completely confused by the whole situation. Didn't look like he really. No, I, I, I don't think on. I'd really explained to him very well what we were doing but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, partly my fault bizarrely as part of, while while filming as well he exchanged gifts with jamie which was <laughs> yeah that that probably seemed weird but he's just back off holiday so it's like bring a present back <laughs> off holiday but yeah that um, was weird at the time <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so then i mean so who comes walking around the corner but sean dyche 
Um, so Jim, Jim is uh, the first for some reason. The first thing Jim's dad thinks to do is is uh, shout out to him, Sean. Can't lose, can't afford to lose this today. So, so then Sean, rather than just accepting, goes, "Why not?" <laughs> Very good impression, by the way. Well, we can't on. afford to lose it. You know, we, we, we just had a full blown argument. So, you know, we're second with 15, 15 games left. We've got loads of points to play for. What do you mean we can't? We can't afford to lose it. We've still got loads of points to play for. <laughs> I think at this point, I just totally kind of mes- zoned out and was just watching this bizarre situation where <laughs> Jamie's dad is having an argument with, with Sean Dyche. <laughs> I think I, I went into a bit of the trance, I think. I was just horrified. Yeah. I, I was just one like, thing I oh, did notice, one thing I did notice was um, Jamie's dad slowly getting closer towards Sean while, <laughs> while Sean was hiding further, further and further away behind him. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he was going to chase him inside at one point, didn't he? I mean, eventually Sean just closed the door with this really bemused, almost scared look on his face. <laughs> oh, God. It was absolutely hilarious, but obviously, for me, absolutely embarrassing. Hopefully, was, um, hopefully Sean few... didn't realise that it was my dad, <laughs> that it was just some random bloke that we were stood near. Yeah, we were going to ask him to uh, come on the podcast, but I think after that little <laughs> that little conversation, I was no, I was nowhere that was happening. Um, I think someone on Twitter said that when he turned up, lose... me and you were just sort of me and you were just sort of stood there going, "Oh, Sean Dash is there. This is a little bit awkward. Should we say something? Should we not?" But my dad was straight in there, can't afford to lose today, trying to do his tea talk. But we should uh, point out that after after my dad did accost Sean Dash, we were three 0 up after a little over half an hour. So yeah, well, maybe I, we'll I have, have to get him to give the team talk every week. I have made arrangements for your dad to hang about outside the players' entrance every match. <laughs> it's not like he's got anything else better to do. So yeah, I think the reason we played so well in that first half is that Sean Dash was. Terrified, but if we didn't win, you're <laughs> waiting for him the players' interest after the match. Yeah, and he'd have to talk to him a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> I think Sean bless him, he did extremely well not to punch my dad. I think it had been well within his rights. It'd been well within his rights. But yeah, we got we got some excellent footage throughout the rest of the day, didn't we? After we'd recovered from that ordeal, um, some Rovers fans came down to the turf as well and managed not to start a riot, despite what we've been told about being at. Asking for trouble, having Rovers fans around the turf, there were no problems at all. Um, got to get pitch side as well. The club very kindly let us get inside the stadium, so Kevin and I were pretending to be the, the Burnley manager on the touchline. It was a really good day. I had a massively good time and can't it's wait really to see to the meet, final film. It's really good to meet kind of um, so many different supporters as well. There was quite a few people who just came up to us saying, you know, are you known in ever? You know, I, I, you know, I love the podcast, so if you're listening... Um, Thanks, that it's really good to meet you, and we got some really good feedback, um, lots of good comments, which we can kind of work work on as well. So it was really great to to meet anyone who did come and talk to us. Yeah, well, yeah, that's enough point as well. Somebody, somebody thought Jam- Jamie was James, which um, I think James is very hurt by. I think we both very hurt by that. <laughs> I don't know why you'd be hurt. That's a compliment. Someone thought you. <laughs> I think he just got us mixed up because he came over and he was asking about the podcast and he was talking about that. But it was uh, a chap called Ian, Ian Poole, I think. And he'd um, exchanged some messages on Twitter with you before the game and then got mixed up and thought that was me. So I was like, no, I'm not James Bird. <laughs> that was a little bit it's awkward. Worse. But... We were talking about cycling. <laughs> the cyclist. The young, yeah, intelligent engineer with a striking beard who <laughs> cycle. That is me. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't really look like I've got the cyclist build, so... <laughs> And also, we need to do a shout-out for Andy Devaney, who's been quite ill recently, so he's been away from the turf and not on the podcast as a result. But I think it was his first game in seven or eight that he'd missed, so it was great to see you back at the turf, Andy, and hopefully you'll stay well. Um, it was excellent. And Robbie as well. Robbie who comes on the podcast sometimes. We met him as well. So that was all very good. A couple of those people will be in the film that we are hoping to premiere at the weekend. We can't really give more details about that yet, but very very much hoping that we'll be able to show you that on Saturday. Kevin, you're editing the film at the minute. How's that going? It's, it's a tough job to get it down to a couple of minutes, I suppose. Yeah, it's, uh, we've got so much great stuff in there. It's, trying, it's, it's getting the best bits out, which is quite hard, because obviously it's, it's, it's going to be quite ruthless and get, and get rid of some of it. Um, but I think a live update is that at this very second, Thomas Pickles, who's written the poem, is recording, the, recording a rough version of a voiceover. Um, at this very second, I believe. So that's kind of happening right now. Um, so that's an up-to-date uh, update on the, on the film. Um, but yeah, so as soon as I get that, we've, we've got we've got a very rough cut of the of the film at the moment. Um, so once I get this the the, the the kind of the speaking audio from Thomas, we can really start to to see it really come together and come to life. And I'm I'm just really excited to show everyone it um, at the weekend. I, I really hope. Tom We're all extremely sad. It's a shame that um, James decided he wasn't going to be in the film. He, he wouldn't <laughs> deign to be in it, I'm afraid. Um, I, I was going to say, I really hope Thomas isn't listening to the podcast while he records it, otherwise the background noise might be quite quite distracting to the video. Yeah, I think he's just going to do a, a voiceover reading it out, so I, I imagine that will be... Mostly fine. Um, and Rocky as well, we've got to mention Rocky. Um, we obviously had to get him in, so we grabbed him as he was on his way to, to sell his lottery tickets and got him to do his his famous screech that might make it into the final cut. But yeah, that'll be online at the weekend. Um, and Saturday, we're hoping to do a premiere. And we will obviously be tweeting about that, and it'll be on Facebook and on the site and on our YouTube channel and basically everywhere, so you won't be able to get away from it. And we'll talk about how that goes next Monday so that's very exciting we are these people made by me and Kevin and Surf more at the weekend written by Thomas Pickles more updates on that very very soon um, next up then moving away from our exploits and my dad's row with Sean Dash at the surf um, I want to talk a little bit about QPR which we touched on earlier in the show um, just the, the fact that everyone tipped QPR for promotion I think this is now the first time that we've been in the bookies' top two favourites for promotion. And QPR have really sort of gone off the radar. They lost the last two games, James. And talk of sacking the manager, it, it just shows that you can't just throw money at a project and then expect it to come off. What do you think's gone wrong at QPR? Is it just the fact they've got all these different players from different clubs on loan and so many players out of out of contract? What do you think it is that's gone wrong at QPR? I think a big part of it's uh, the players that are there. They're all there's a lot of big names, but um, none of them just seem to really want to play for the shirt. It reminds me of a I can't remember what side it was. There's a side a, a few seasons ago in the Championship that had a lot of similar players, you know, former top half of the Premier League sort of players, and they just didn't seem like they wanted to play anymore. Um, I mean, I've just been reading this stuff on the Times website about um, QPR. And sort of the losses they're incurring as well, and they're predicting between sixty and eighty million for for the next set of accounts, which is just incredible, to be honest. That 
they're losing that much and these players you know they've got who are sitting there and they're picking up massive salaries and they're not actually playing um, so it's just a I think it's a strange side all round and you know you look at players like Esu Okoto and he, he's absolutely dreadful how he was ever playing at left back in the Premier League I don't know because against us he just didn't seem like he could be bothered being there He's had a couple of shockers hasn't he Esu Okoto I think it's probably a toss up for the, the worst left-back display we've seen against us. They've seen him at Loftus Road and Danny Fox on Saturday. They're both absolutely terrible. But yeah, all these big-name players, they don't seem to be able to get a team together out of it. And I think that they change the side so often. It's totally the opposite to us, where we've, I think we've only had 18 different players start all season, and it's the same 11 most weeks. I do the previews for the site, and team news is basically same again, unless someone's injured. So we all know exactly what's going to happen with our team. Everyone knows what they're doing. It's totally different at QPR. And their their answer to everything seems to be, we'll go and get another player. And now they're talking about changing the manager with Lydra yeah, tips coming instead. It's I really can't absolutely bonkers. It's no way to run a football club at all. I really, I really can't understand getting rid of the manager at this stage. It's, it's going to achieve absolutely nothing. I mean, they've brought in so many players since January, four strikers in January to try and cope with Lee's in Austin. But I mean, it's only Kevin Doyle who started, and well, regularly. Um, and you can't imagine changing your manager at this stage with about 14 games left or whatever it is they've got. And he's going to actually make a difference, other than perhaps make it even worse. I think. Uh, I think. I think the term I like to Sorry, use. I think the term I like to use is that QPR have got a great squad, whereas we've got a great team which I think really kind of sums up the difference between the two approaches. They've got lots of good players in there, um, but the players, they, I don't, like, like you said, I don't think any of them really care about playing for QPR. Um, they just turn up. Um, I, I think that's don't get played at all. Whereas I think the Burnley team, everyone's playing for each other. Everyone really wants to succeed. We've got that real team spirit. Everybody knows what we're doing. Whereas keep out, it just seems a bit like a, a whole big mess and nobody has a clue what's happening. Yeah, Esso Okoto did once say, I think, in an interview that he doesn't actually like football. He just plays because he can get paid well. Um, <laughs> so that probably doesn't help you, your case when you really sort of need people to buy into something when they're essentially only even playing the sport because they can get well paid. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's probably more common than, than we'd think. Like, not everyone who's a footballer can be in love with the game, I suppose. But, yeah, it's it's probably the sort of thing you should keep to yourself rather than being honest about it because it's just going to let people have something not easy to throw back in your face whenever you're not playing particularly well. Um, but, yeah, QPR talking about getting rid of their managing iron. Like I say, at this stage of the season, you just think, like, how would someone come into that dressing room with so many international players and players with so much Premier League experience and then start telling them that they have to scrap against teams like Yeovil and Doncaster to get the points they need to get out of the division again? It's absolutely crazy for me, but then you you wonder what else the option is. Redknapp apparently talking about retiring at the end of the season, so how motivated is he? The whole club just seems like a bit of a mess now and absolutely great for us to see one of our promotion rivals falling down a little bit. Of course, Derby have stepped up and, Kevin, they're probably our main contenders now. Of course, they're players at the weekend. They've won three games in a row, 1-0, so they've been grinding out the results um, a lot. Yeah, I think I, I'd say that it's... The, the race for second place is, is us and Derby now. 
Uh, it's important we don't get too complacent. Remember, QPR is seven behind, but we do have a, a game in hand, um, which if we reach, we're still four behind. But then, you know, there's 15 games left. And like I said earlier, things can change really, really quickly in this, in this league. So it's important not to get too complacent. Um, but yeah, I my gut instinct is going to be going to be ourselves or Derby. So that Saturday's game now is is kind of astronomical in in how big it is. It, it could really it could define who who gets our second place. Because especially you know if we win, then we've got so much momentum. We've also got it probably is it a five five point lead over them then. If we win, yeah, there'll be five uh, points and a better goal difference as well. Yeah, so that gives us such you know huge momentum then going into into this month, and it also hopefully give them a bit of a down as well. On the other hand, if they if they win, then they go ahead of us. They've got the momentum, and also that gives us kind of a really bad start to what is a huge month with you know Leicester, Blackburn, um, even Leeds, who are kind of our, our bogey team coming up. So Saturday's match is is absolutely huge and. I do think that whoever wins it could be the one that get get us gets that second place spot. Yeah, obviously there is still a long way to go. I mean, both teams will still have thirteen matches left, and I'm sure Sean Dyche, if my dad was saying we can't afford to lose this one, would be rightly pointing out that there's still a lot of points to play for. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The table at the minute looks very much like it's between the top three and Leicester have still got that eight-point cushion, so it looks like us and Derby for second place, but it can change very quickly. We're unbeaten this year, Leicester unbeaten this year, Derby have won three on the spin and they haven't lost for a while. QPR have lost three on the spin, actually, not just two, so yeah, things do change quickly. Reading looked like they were going to come up on the rails and they've lost two of their last three, so these little runs get put together. Wigan are on a good run at the minute. They've won their last three, but they're a long way back. It looks to me after the weekend's fixtures, James, that it's a top three and then three more. It looks like that chasm, it's it's opening up a little bit, isn't it? We've got seven points on QPR, even though they've got that game in hand. What do you make of the situation at the minute? How do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, I mean, it's really starting to starting to open up there. You see behind, behind Derby, obviously, QPR do have that game in hand, but the way they're going, are they going to capitalise on it? Probably not. So that leaves them a little bit behind. Obviously, Forest have had that bad game against us that's set them back. And Reading have been a little bit hit and miss for the, the last couple of weeks. Um, I think a, a big challenge of those, of those sort of bottom three is like Wigan, who are on a great run at the moment. I think they're, they're above us in the most recent form tables. Yeah, it's Wigan. It was Wigan I was mentioning earlier about um, manager of the month. I think they've got 12 points from their five games and we've only got 11, so it'll be Rosler who gets manager of the month. Yeah, I mean, they're really coming up fast and obviously with a, a game in hand on Reading, uh, if, if they keep up their current form, they're going to they're gonna get into the top six easily. Um, but I think it's definitely at the moment uh, between us and Derby for second. And obviously, it's Leicester's to lose first. But they could have a, a bad run and if we capitalise on those big games we've got on the turf, um, you'd think we could secure second. Um, but it's worth mentioning as well, I think that if if Leicester can slip up and we can, you know, get a good good few results out of Derby Blackburn, um, that we could be looking at Leicester coming to the turf with the gap being five, five points. Which case, you know, we win. That sort of really sets it up for an exciting end to the season. So exactly right. I'm I've like, it's an eight-point gap and it is a lot to make up, but I think if we're in touch when Leicester comes to the turf, then it's all to play for still. And I, I don't think we should talk about just trying to get a second at the minute because 
the heartbreak of missing out on the last day would just be too yeah, much I mean, and then really, split them in playoffs. We've still got to aim for the title even though it looks like a long way. Yeah, it really annoyed me last last week seeing people commenting during the Forest Leicester game, you know, saying they wanted Leicester to kill Forest off to put put that gap in there. Um when I thought, no, you 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 want Forest to Forest to beat Leicester and gives us a better chance of catching Leicester rather than distancing everyone else. We've got we had well, at that point we still had games against Forest and Derby obviously at home. And that's our chance to put points between us and the teams behind us rather than relying on Leicester doing it for us. Yeah, you don't want to rely on the other teams too much, do you? I think I was quite happy with the draw in that game to keep both teams without that win. I mean, Leicester had that incredible run. What was it, 8-9 on the bounce they won, but then they drew two. So they are capable of slipping up and they yeah, did. Right. Was it last season that Leicester totally fell apart and yeah, blew their promotion? They are a side that are known for having a bit of a... A bad running, um, and it really is the case that they've just been on an incredible run since since they drew against us at their place. And uh, I think it could only take one or two results. Then they've had some bad ones. I think they got beat at, at Millwall, didn't they? And uh, I think Bournemouth beat them as well, which is you know not a great result for them. But it shows that it, potentially anyone could make Leicester slip up. This, uh, I mean, one of the glorious things about the Championship, and I suppose we'd miss this if we did get promoted, although obviously being in the Premier League would be absolutely fantastic. It's uh, Individually, any team can still beat anyone else. All the bottom three won on Saturday, and I'm sure teams at the bottom will still spring surprises over teams at the top. It's just the way it goes in the Championship. You can't look at any fixture and go, that's the definite three points. So, yeah, I think it's all still to play for, but obviously Saturday will have a huge bearing on the rest of the season, especially as we have to go to Ewood and I don't think anyone's expecting us to win that one. Um, speaking of Blackburn, Kevin, we were speaking to some Rovers fans at the surf on Saturday. They still think they've got an outside chance of the playoffs, certainly, but they didn't seem massively confident about getting in that top six. No, I, didn't, I don't think we did. I, I think I expected them to be a little bit more confident than they were. Um, I don't know if they were just being modest because they were very complimentary about Burnley as well. They were, you know, they were convinced we were going to. So don't yeah, maybe. Been, uh, I don't know if they were just being modest. Um, but I don't know. I, I think Blackburn fans have probably had so much hurt and so much disappointment and so many kind of false dawns in the last couple of years that they're probably beyond the time they kind of uh, they train themselves not to expect anything anymore because they've, they've been so used to being let down. Um, but yeah, they are a dark horse to get in there and. I think you were talking a minute ago about the disappointment of getting into getting into third place, um, and I think I've not got any, any stats to back this up. But if you kind of look at, anecdotally, um, I can't remember many third place teams actually going up for the playoffs. Just just due to that, you know, you, the kind of the team who comes in in third is goes into the playoffs really you know, disappointed. The, the team that comes in sixth is kind of on a high because they've just about made it, and uh, you've, you've you've just got that bit of a nightmare. Was finishing third, getting a disappointment. Blackburn just making sixth and. Um, and the unthinkable happening, but um, so let's just hope we 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 put them to bed at Ewood and end any hopes of uh, the playoffs and promotion for them. Yeah, I don't even want to think about the possibility of playing Blackman in the playoffs, whether it's the semis or the final. It'll just be too much, I think. So hopefully we'll be second and they won't even be in the top six, and we'll just keep that possibility away. They are ninth at the minute with a game in hand over Reading and Forest. Uh, and they're unbeaten in five rovers. So they are putting a little bit of a run together. Obviously, we'll talk a lot about the derby on next week's podcast. Um, 
but we are coming towards the end of today's show. Thanks to everyone who's, who's listened. We've got a couple of comments to go through before we do some predictions to round off the show. Um, Roger, going back to talking about our team selection, says it's like it always used to be. You might get one player changes from one season to the next. We need to get rid of that loan system, though. How can Harry get an emergency loan? What emergency? I think that's just what the Football League calls it, actually, to get around some EU goals. So I don't think we can get too carried away with the emergency loan thing. But it does sound a bit bonkers when they're bringing in Ravel Morrison on an emergency loan when they've already got about 73 midfield players. Um, Dakery says he really hopes QPR don't even make the playoffs come the end of the season. The players don't deserve it. That would be absolutely hilarious. And Will says... They've got to keep Redknapp and not trading him for someone else. He's the only one that can get them promoted. But you're right, they don't deserve it and they haven't got the hunger for it. And Will also, is like, also says, Leicester are up. We need to concentrate on our games left. If we get on average 1.8 games, 1.8 points per game, then we are up. And Roger just finally says, anyone can beat anyone. Lots of games to go. It's the points total. That's important. That's an excellent place to leave it, I think. Um, just finally then, predictions for Saturday. Massive game at the Turf Moor. Burnley against Derby, second against third. We'll start with you, James. What do you reckon? Um, well, I, I think I was quite close last week. I can't remember, but I think I may have said 3-0. Um, uh, so I'm going to go positive again, just, just after the good result of the weekend. Uh, and I think we'll score a few again, so I'm going to say 4-1. 4-1, by me, I hope it's 4-1. Ian was actually on the podcast last week and I think he got it spot on I think he was crowing about it on Twitter afterwards I think he said it was going to be 3-1 what about you Kevin what's your prediction for Saturday um, I think I'm going to go with the same prediction I made for for Forest and go a bit conservative with a, a one all draw which I'd be quite happy with I went for 2 all against Forest, and again I'm going to say the same I think there'll be goals in it even though Derby have been quite stingy recently and we've been the same I think both teams know that a win really puts promotion in not so much in their hands with so many games left to go, but really gives them a, a leg up over their rivals. And especially for us, I think we'll be extremely keen to get another win and know that we can then afford to go to Ewood and get beat, um, which is probably an inevitability just being the way things are. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's us pretty much done for this evening. Thanks a lot to everyone who's joined in with the comments and, um, listened live always after some feedback we got some great feedback from people at the surf on saturday so please do let us know what you think um you can tweet us our twitter handle is at no net and you can always email us blog at no net as well um progress on we are these people we will be constantly updating twitter and everything like that all week to let you know what's going on with that and we are hoping to premiere it at the weekend at a very special location and that's about all we can say on that but it will be online at the weekend as long as Kevin gets it edited in time so yeah very exciting times there and we'll be back next Monday night for the podcast of course the blog will be live about half past two on Saturday for anyone who's not making it down to the surf but thanks a lot for everyone who's joined us tonight and we will be back next week good night thank you you've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast for more, visit nonanever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonanevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.